What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome back to the Fantasy Whispers channel, podcast, breakdown of the Week 8 matchups. We're going to go through every single morning game start set for the first through eight games, and we're going to tell you everyone that you're going to want to get in your lineup, everyone you're going to want to get out of your lineup. We're going to have some good debates. We're already having some good debates prior to the show. Can't wait for this. Whisper Nation, let's get into it. That's right. Like Johnny said, we're going to be talking the first half of the NFL slate of matchups for week eight and all the fantasy football implications of Sunday's games. But if you like fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel and giving videos like this a like on your way in. Welcome all the way in Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by Johnny Game joined by Johnny Game Time Hicks on the other mic. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Johnny underscore game time. What's going on, Johnny? What's up, guys? Week eight. Week eight is upon us. Yeah, that's right. We got five apocalypse in the rear view mirror, and that means we are excited. We're also excited to bring on Austin Sear, who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, what's good, my man? What's good, man? What's good, dude? I uh, It's spooky season. And I'm looking at my League of Record team, and I love how good all the players are. And then I look at my record, and I am terrified. Yeah. Uh, do you know what's more scary than your team, though, Austin? Or is seeing black a black licorice. cat? No, not black licorice. It's shaving your balls with anything other than <laughs> Manscaped. When it comes to below-the-waist grooming, there's no need to carve your pumpkins this Halloween because Manscaped is here. To upgrade your grooming experience, go from a bite-sized candy bar to a king-sized candy bar and join the 2 million men worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. All right, gents, as we normally do, I wanted to start the show off with a question um, of the following wild stats that I'm going to read to you, you're going to want to think about these and which one has been the most surprising to you for fantasy football purposes. Kyle Pitts right now, number one, has been four, has had 471 receiving yards in his first six games. This is the most by a tight end in the last 50 years for a rookie tight end. Okay. Cooper Cup, the second stat, is now the first wide receiver. Cooper Cup, by the way, the number one overall fantasy player period, in fantasy. Number one overall. Uh, Cooper Cup is now the wide receiver, the first wide receiver in the Super Bowl era with over 800 yards and seven touchdowns in his first seven games of the season. And then Jamar Chase, our boy, the rookie phenom, 754 receiving yards. He ranks number one all time through his first seven games as a receiver. So, Austin, when we look at these three stats, I mean, some just wow. great studs that we have on our on our lineup, and they all were drafted relatively outside of the you know first three rounds, so really nice there. Which one of these is the most surprising to you? Honestly, it is Cooper Cup, and Pitts and Jamar Chase are really, really surprising, especially when you have rookies coming in and not just setting records for rookies, but in Jamar Chase's situation, you know, pushing the envelope just for the entire wide receiver package as a whole. But... These guys had a lot of hype coming in, right? Kyle Pitts was supposed to be a unicorn at the tight end position. Jamar Chase didn't play any football last year and was still a top five selection, number one overall wide receiver, hands down. The reason why Kyle Cooper Cup then is so surprising to me is, Travi, this is 2021. You know, we're playing in a modern era and Cooper Cup is dominating this hard 
on a team that's actually really good. And Cooper Cup himself is talented, but we're not talking about Cooper Cup as a top elite level talent in the NFL. He's very good. And I hope I'm not disrespecting the man's name at all. He's just not like a DK Metcalf size wise. He's not a Tyreek Hill speed wise. He's not that kind of situation. And the Rams are really good. So he's not like in a force feed situation, like Brandon Marshall, um, Jay Cutler kind of thing in years past. Like, no, this is a, a smart quarterback, a smart system with other, he might not even be the most talented wide receiver on his own team. Like, I think he is, you know what I mean? But there's a case for that. And he's still balling out this hard. The team is winning. You already know what they're going to do with Cooper cup. And they just keep doing it to you anyways. I'm surprised that they're doing it one and able to keep doing it two and winning games on top of it three. And I don't think it's going to slow down. The only surprise to me now at this point would be if it slowed down. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. The market share dominance that he's had. It's wild that he continues to be open, even with all the attention on him. I know that the defenses see this and they're still continuing to put attention on him. He still remains to get open and remains balling the hell out. Johnny, for you, is it Cooper Cup as well? Or do you have somebody else that you're more surprised with out of these three? Yeah, for me, it's not Cooper Cup, uh, simply for the fact that we've, we've seen him do this before. I mean, he did it with Jared Goff a couple of years ago. He was on this, you know, maybe not this quite extent of a pace, but he was the wide receiver one before he went down with injury with, with Jared Goff. This offense produces solid wide receivers. It's, it's a top performing offense. So I'm not really too surprised on Cooper Cup. Uh, frankly, we, we thought both Woods and Cooper Cup would be top 12 or top 15, top 12 wide receivers this uh, this year. I'm really genuinely surprised by Kyle Pitts. And it's because, it, you know, Jamar Chase, what he's doing, phenomenal. Uh, it do, it That one does surprise me, of course, uh, like how much of a tear he's on. But this is kind of how it's going with the offenses in the NFL these days, like super pass happy. We're going to continue to see these guys coming right out of college and performing, especially at the wide receiver position. But you're talking about a tight end who is coming in. And that was the big thing is like, that's why I'm so impressed with what with Kyle Pitts out of all these guys is because we all know it takes tight ends three to four years. I don't care who you are to develop into a, an elite tight end and he's doing this immediately and sure yeah the target market shares there which is nice of course that bodes well but we've seen that before too with tight ends that it doesn't necessarily just translate uh and it wasn't necessarily translating for the first couple of games and now he's really started to come on it's Kyle Pitts for me because I did not I I knew this was a realm of of outcomes but it was so minimal to me that I was like there's no chance this is happening I mean you're talking about first time in 50 years for a tight end that's absurd yeah, I, I think it's really special that he's come in, was said to be the unicorn, right, as Austin said, and he has actually kind of become that. I don't know if you guys caught his one-handed catch down the south oh, sideline against Miami. Gorgeous. It was an absolute – that was like the play you could be like, oh, this is why you draft him in the top five because he's just so special. So it's really it's a really exciting time for fantasy football when we look at Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Kyle Pitts, all of these guys, Derrick Henry, just studs that are out there having a good time, and we're loving rooting for these players. All right, Whisper Nation, we got to get you into these matchups. We're going to start with our first matchup, which is the New York Jets hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a 43.5 point over under with Cincinnati favored by 10 on the road. We'll start with that Cincinnati side of the football. And, Johnny, i got to ask you, is Joe Burrow now matchup proof after going into Baltimore and this offense really turning into the high-powered? Is he locked in as a QB1 for this matchup and rest of season? I love how hyped uh, Big Travi is about Joe Burrow and like oh is there, uh, the potential of him being a QB one. Uh, I do think he will have 
you know, games in which he will have, you know, he was a QB seven, QB six uh, or QB three uh, last week. So he does have that in the realm in his realm of outcomes. Now, will it be consistent on a week to week basis? That is what we need to dissect and ask ourselves is, is that going to be sustainable long enough to make him a QB one 25 plus fantasy points in three out of the four games, getting Higgins back and, and healthier each and every single game bodes well for him. Joe Mixon getting nicked up. It seems like every single game really bodes well for Joe Burrow and the passing attack, right? They'll have to lean on him a little bit more, but I don't think he's going to be quite what we've seen, you know, the QB three or QB five. Uh, I don't quite think he'll get in that range on a consistent basis on a week to week, but based on certain matchups, I do think he will be. And I think ultimately he ends up in that QB 12, QB 13 uh, overall range at the end of the season. Uh, this div- this matchup jets giving up just the 10th fewest fantasy points to quarterback so far this season. They've just, they've given up just six passing touchdowns, mostly because they're a huge run funnel. They're <laughs> Everyone just scores rushing the ball on him that they don't necessarily need to pass. So uh, can he do it? Certainly can. He has the talent. He has the weapons. Do I think he's going to be consistent on a week-to-week basis to do it and be matchup-proof? I don't think he'll be matchup-proof. So, I mean, so you're benching him because the Jets here, you think that it's too game script, or do you like him this week? I don't mind playing him this week. I would start him uh, unless uh, you might – like I wouldn't, I would start Joe Burrow over like Carson Wentz or you know a or Derek like Carr top streamers, right. right? But like if you're asking me Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, I'd go Hurts. Or okay. if you ask me, Johnny, you mentioned yeah. the weapons there. So Austin, when we talk about the weapons, obviously it's Jamar Chase. We talked about it at the top of the show, but Higgins getting some good target market share. Uzuma kind of emerging. Talk to me about yeah. the passing attack and where we're at with these guys. Well, you start there off with Jamar Chase. Have to mention his name a little bit about him. We are all here for Jamar Chase, top three wide receiver through seven weeks, and he just looks phenomenal on paper, on film. And I like to keep in mind how efficient he's been. This plays on both sides of the conversation for Jamar Chase. Look, I don't think his efficiency or his production slows down, but just keep in mind that last week's Mondo performance with over 200 yards came off of just eight catches which were a season high for Jamar Chase. Most other receivers in the top five are going to have multiple double-digit caught pass games, and he just hasn't had that yet, which in when you asked me the question a few weeks ago, Travi, is Jamar Chase an elite wide receiver? And I said he's on pace. He's just not there yet, though, because of the volume. He's increased his case to be an elite wide receiver, but his volume still hasn't increased. So now I'm just wondering what happens if Jamar Chase does get that kind of volume. Are we going to see a 2,500-yard wide receiver in a couple of years from Jamar Chase if, if, he can get that kind of volume because right now he's on pace, you know, to have these crazy performances. And he still, like I said, hasn't gotten 10 catches in a game. Um, T Higgins was, was charting to have 10 catches on the game, shifting over to the other wide receiver in Cincinnati there. Um, just 62 yards. Didn't like that, but 15 targets. What? That was pretty nice. Um, I like Higgins, as you put it last week, Travis, he's a wide receiver two, three with that upside. Got to talk here a bit about Uzuma, the tight end. Look, Ooh. he's been kicked. He's been kicking ass last week. Johnny can tell you all about it with those two (laughs) touchdowns. We like that. And I've been starting him and streaming him in our dynasty league. That's where Johnny, my matchup was, but you got to temper expectations for Uzuma. We talk about all this efficient production with Jamar chase. Uh, We got, we got efficient production coming out of Uzuma over here too. He's gotten over 20 points last week, but just three targets, three targets were the second most of the season 
for him, Travis. So he does have a high snap percentage over 80% most weeks like that. And he's heating up and looking good, but but he's not a staple of this offense. And he's going to have to do big work with those catches because he's just not looking like he's going to be getting five plus catches, but he does nice work when he gets them. I I love the breakdown here, and I wonder what Uzuma's uh, floor is eventually going to be here. Can they get him more usage? Um, you know, yeah, his floor is kind of zero at that point. But He's I do wonder if guy. he can, yeah, if he can overcome that in this offense as we start to get this offense to move forward. If they start to take some steps forward, we'll see that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon because fantasy football Twitter is a little bit panicked after last week, even though he saw his first game with zero targets since week 12 of 2019. You know, are we concerned about Joe Mixon? The short answer is no. He still tops the league in average touches per game. Only Henry, Alvin Kamara, CMC Cook, and Zeke average more touches per game. Guys, the Jets just gave up five touchdowns to three different Patriots running backs last week and thus are averaging the most points surrendered to the position. We are firing up our guy, Joe Mixon, of course, but I just wanted to quell a little bit of concern there. Austin, I want to talk to you about Joe Flacco, not necessarily for Joe Flacco here, which he won't be the starter here. We're going to go with Mike Smith. Yeah. Uh, but Joe Flacco comes to the offense. We're going to have to project that. I imagine he'll take that job over from Mike Smith eventually yeah. after being traded and what that means for our pass catchers in the Jets offense. You know what's funny about the Jets, man? I was looking at this. I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that has more first-round talent, first- and second-round talent at the wide receiver position than the Jets do, right? Corey Davis, wow. first-round selection. Yeah. Elijah Moore, first-round selection. Denzel Mims taking 59th overall. You know what I mean? Oh, Elijah yeah. Moore was in the second, right? Yeah, first and second round. That's what he said. Oh, first and second round? Yeah. Yeah, yeah with, it, with it, so it's like... It, and. So we got some like talent on this team, but it's mm-hmm. not, we're not getting a lot out of it. So when you ask me, does Joe Flacco present a boost? I don't think he presents a boost. He might present a little bit of consistency. I don't think we're going to see an elevated role or elevated product production over the long run for anybody. Corey Davis right now is the number one wide receiver there for the jets. I think that would continue with Joe Flacco on board, but look, he's the wide receiver 34 in PPR. So we're looking at a, you know, a wide receiver three, for flex type anyways. I don't think Joe Flacco changes that in either direction. So I think if you got Corey Davis as one of your back-end flex plays, he stays a back-end flex play. If the matchup is fine and you and you don't have a better choice, you can you can find worse options than Corey Davis regardless of who his quarterback is. Ryan Tannehill, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, with the role on the team and the game flow usually working in his favor, he'll have inconsistent production. I want to talk a little bit about Michael Carter, who started the year off inconsistent, as Austin's talking about some of these wide receivers, but it feels as if the Carter takeover has now been completed. He saw a season-high 19 touches last week, racked up 104 yards from scrimmage, and scored 15 PPR fantasy points. This was a terrible game script for him. He shouldn't have been able to do something like this, but he was targeted nine times, guys. Caught eight of them for 67 yards. So he's also posted 72% of the team's snap. Snaps last week, that's uh, season high directly after the team's bye week. We see sometimes after the bye, new offensive uh, you know, game plans come out and we see them try to work with them. Carter's going to face a tough test. The Bengals uh, have allowed only 16 points per game to the running back position, but there's hope because since he has given up the most receptions per game to running backs of any defense this year. So I actually think that Carter belongs on the RB3 radar, but this guy could easily be an RB2 rest of season if he continues to dominate the snap share, especially in the target department. So keep an eye on Carter. He's been one of those the greatest holds in fantasy football this year uh, because he's just kind of we've been waiting for it. And we saw the trend continue last week where he took it over after the bye. We are going to take over the next game, which is the Indian 
Indianapolis Colts hosting the Tennessee Titans. It's a 50.5 over under with Tennessee favored by just one point on the road here. I want to jump over to the star, well, maybe the second star of the uh, Tennessee Titans offense, and that's A.J. Brown. Uh, Austin, when we look at A.J. Brown, it just looks like he's going to eat in this offense, but I really wanted to know about Julio and the breakdown here because this is a good matchup for the wide receivers. It is a good matchup, and I think that Julio bears consideration for you and your flex, but the Titans are not relying on Julio Jones, and you should not rely on Julio Jones either. The man has not broken 79% snap percentage all season, and last week it was sub-50% there at 43%. Tennessee is a run-first team with a legitimate alpha there in A.J. Brown. Julio will have games, but he is not being relied upon, and that does not predict to shift. Really, why would it? As he gets healthy, he hasn't really been. Um, You know, he's doing his Julio thing, but he's going to be getting more healthy as the season progresses. But I don't think his opportunities are really going to increase with that all that much. Now, I do expect to see better days, but those better days are going to be capped. Um, At 100%, he's still not the top option on this team. And this is a run-first team anyways. So this is a very different situation than what we saw Julio Jones come from in Atlanta, which was a voluminous pass-first team where he was that alpha. It's a run-heavy team with a legitimate alpha ahead of him. They're just not going to rely on him, but he's going to be a great piece they can pull out and catch some defenses off guard. He's going to have big games. He's going to have great catches. Um they're just not relying on him, and I don't think you should either. Yeah, it's, it's, like it's, that, gonna, uh, we need, it's like we need him to get healthy and then get these matchups. Like get get fully healthy and then get one of these matchups where you can deploy him out there. It's just even hard to get him out there in good matchups, like against Kansas City last week, and in this one with Indy because he just could easily be in for half of the snaps and then pull out for a hammy or something like that. It's like, uh, do you guys remember the meme that was going around after Julio got traded to Tennessee, and it was like. Uh, it just showed like what, you know, Tennessee always runs. And it was like the I formation is just Derrick Henry. And there was like above, it was like Julio Jones looking at the playbook. And he's like, ah, this isn't for me. Like, and it's (laughs) like, it's like looking back on that. It's almost like Tennessee was like, yeah, because we don't expect you to be on the field that much. So we're, we're going to be running the same stuff. This is what we do. Derrick Henry continues to eat, Johnny. That's this is just what oh, the guy does, man. It's this is just why I just wanted to uh, like point this out. This is so incredibly fascinating to me. Don't look now, but Derrick Henry, uh, Derrick Henry, right now is averaging twenty-seven rushing attempts per game. So that means he is on pace right now for four hundred and sixty-three rushing attempts this season. That is that would be by far the most. And that's not even total touches. That's just rushing attempts like that's so astronomical. It's it's fascinating to watch Uh, difficult matchup this week. But again, it doesn't matter. It's Derek Henry. You're getting him in there. Yeah, I think the bigger question is Ryan Tannehill. He eclipsed 20 fantasy points against Kansas City, but that was the only second time doing so this year. Um, He's thrown multiple touchdowns in only one game this year, only one game over 300 passing yards as well. But this is a decent over-under, as we talked about, 50 points. Implied team total for Tannehill and the Titans is 25. You wonder how much of that will be Derrick Henry alone. Is Derrick Henry going to continue to rob him of passing touchdowns in the red zone? We don't know. But Indy provides a nice spot for Tanny to eclipse 20 fantasy points again. He could be a decent streamer. They've surrendered about 19 per game, but also have given up 16 passing touchdowns on the year. That's the second most. So we like Tannehill in this spot as a fringe QB1. 
Tannehill think, or Wentz? Well, Tannehill that's that's, that's what I want to roll into here with Austin is talking about Carson Wentz because he's been running really hot here for the Colts. And he is, you know, speaking of a fringe QB one, he's kind of been doing it at a more consistent rate than Tannehill. Yeah, I like Wentz a lot. To answer Johnny's question, I'm going Wentz because I'm going to besmirch Ryan Tannehill whenever I can on air <laughs> after Chris Thomas in our league of record tried to make a trade for me acquiring Jalen Hurts. And he tried to tell me that Tannehill's upside was that of Jalen Hurts's oh, in, the Kansas City in the Kansas City matchup. Dang, and I was like, for these trade talks. I just yeah. blew off the conversation after that. But I wanted to be like, you want to try to say his ceiling is as high in the best match matchup Ryan Tannehill could possibly find himself in and Jalen Hurts is in a subpar matchup okay fine Jalen Hurts ended up having like six or seven more points than Ryan Tannehill anyways riding himself to the number two overall quarterback in fantasy right now so I just had to throw that out there on Chris Thomas your trade was bunk then and it's bunk now but Carson Wentz right now is having a pretty nice little bit of a run of the season right here overall quarterback 17 don't love that but in the last four weeks Carson Wentz has produced over 20 fantasy points and over two passing touchdowns in each one of those games and 400 passing yards in week five. You like to see that he can do it during that stretch. He's been the quarterback number 10. And I think this rank climbs rest of season. He's got working ankles again. That's a good thing and is legitimately developing some rapport there with Michael Pittman. Could use some more health going at the rest of the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton, like trying to get a new neck. Uh, Paris Campbell could use a new body. That guy's on the IR again. Um, but even with that, Mo Ali Cox, Michael Pittman, um, and the other T.Y. Hilton's coming back. These things like I like Carson Wentz and I like him this week, Travis, going up against Tennessee, who gives up the fourth most amount of points to the quarterbacking position. I like Carson Wentz here this week in what should be a decently high scoring affair. Call it his weapons or call it, you know, Carson Wentz making his weapons viable. He's actually kind of healed up through the ankles. And these guys are actually producing these guys being Michael Pittman and in the red zone, Mo Ali Cox, T.Y. Hilton in in the short sample size that we have. Johnny, paint me a picture for these pass catchers here. And if we're going to be able to trust any of them in this, you know, perceived shootout. So you'll look at Michael Pittman. Uh, there's a little bit of concern with how he's gotten his production over the last two weeks. He has performed well, but it's just been on seven targets, which has been uh, low for him over the, that same span. Uh, again, part of that was because T.Y. Hilton uh, or one of those games was because T.Y. Hilton was playing, was getting a lot more targets than Pittman. And they are, you know, Frank Wright came out today and said that they were optimistic, quote unquote, he was optimistic T.Y. Hilton could play. But it doesn't matter in this matchup. I'm playing both of them just like we're playing Wentz. Tennessee, it's just, oh, they're just bowing down to the wide receivers uh, and, and giving them fantasy points like it's going out of style. Like, like they're not even going to play in 2022 is the pace that Tennessee is on right now on giving up. Uh, to wide receivers fourth most touchdowns to wide receivers with 10 this season and the most receiving yards you're going to get Pittman in your lineup for sure this week and then uh, you're going to also if you need a what the heck flex and TY uh, ends up playing I don't mind them throwing you know I don't mind throwing them in your lineup as a wide receiver three upside play uh, but minimum I would look to go and target uh, TY Hilton on your waiver wire right now 
Just want to give a little bit of appreciation uh, rant here to Jonathan Taylor. JT in his last four games has over 100 yards, uh, 114 and a touchdown, 169 and two touchdowns, 158 and two touchdowns, 110 and a touchdown. This is a middle-of-the-road matchup for JT. Tennessee only allowing 15 points per game. Part of the reason why is they're a pass funnel. Teams continue to throw at them. But he uh, is incredibly hot. There's no way you're – I mean, you could temper expectations, but I don't think it would matter. He's incredibly hot. He's returning great value at the, as that first-round pick. A take I was incredibly wrong on because I thought they would continue to deploy all these other backs, and they kind of have, but JT still rises above with great efficiency. He's When, he used, when he's used in the passing game, he makes big plays, and he's one of the best goal line backs in the league right now. All right, we're going to move on to a game in which the Rams look to boat race the Houston Texans at – in Houston, it's a 47 and a half point over under with the Rams favored by 14 and a half. Not quite the 18 points that the Cardinals were favored by last week, but again, not a very good spot for the Texans. But we will start with the Rams side of the ball and something that's been a hot item. We obviously talked about Cooper Cup at the beginning of the show, Austin, but we want to talk about the Woods breakdown and, and Van Jefferson kind of emergency emerging. How where's our trust level with all these wide receivers and, 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 and things beyond Cooper Cup? Van Jefferson emergency going on yeah. right now Emergent. after that touchdown <laughs> yeah. last week. Started him in the whis- uh, Whisper Listener League, Van Jefferson. But we'll go back to him in just a second. So we got Cooper Cup, we got Robert Woods, and we got Van Jefferson. Those are the three wide receivers we're looking at over there in Los Angeles. Deshaun Jackson exists, but he likes to kind of hang out and just do his thing when he feels like it pops up to say hello when he is in the mood. But those three other wide receivers here are getting a lot of great work done for Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Cooper Cup, as we mentioned, and we will mention it again because he is our forcing us to do so, and I don't mind it at all. He's locked in wide receiver one, 10-plus targets for Cooper Cup in every game this season, averaging over 100 yards a game with 64 yards his lowest of the year. And I bring that up because we, we 1,000 yards on the season is like a decent season. I know that has changed over the years as more offense has been coming out of each team but if you get 62 and a half yards per game in a 16 game season that's a thousand yards so somebody who's tracking 63 yards a game is going to get you over a thousand yards on the season in a 16 game season I know we'll have to adjust as we're getting that new game coming in for a 17 for the first time but Cooper Cup his lowest game has been 64 yards on the year leads the team in every meth trick both in the red range and between the 20s Robert Woods though is the topic of more important conversation, I guess, because you actually have to make some decisions here with Robert Woods. He is the number two on the team. Like he's not that maybe number three or four, eh, you know, after there, he is the number two. That is clear. But honestly, I'm having a difficult time saying if he's closer to the three or he's closer to the one. He is the two, but is he closer to Van Jefferson? Who's the three or is he closer to the one who is Cooper cup on here? Um, He's 97% snap share last week. I love that. Um, Caught all six of his targets like that too, but I don't love that six was the second most targets he's seen all season long. He's going to have pop days, but he's not relied upon by the Rams. And again, I think he's got neutral rapport there with Stafford. Nothing negative or anything. It's just they're, they're... It's just neutral. Um, Van Jefferson has moved into that number three role. He had 94% snap share last year, which tells me the Rams are running a lot of three wide receiver sets. If he's got 94% snap share 
and he was number three there on the team because Cooper Cup had 97 there along with Woods as well. Van Jefferson caught his third touchdown of the season and given his time on the field and seven targets last week, um, I don't hate him as a flex play when the matchup is good. Um, and this week going against Houston, I'm okay with it. Uh, still not recommended though, as it's really just more of like kind of a desperation end of your bench type play. You find yourself in a buy like it did last week. You can give it a shot, but but that's Van Jefferson for you. Why are you guys such haters on on Bobby Trees? I got. I like Bobby Trees. I like Bobby. I, Trees. I mean, okay, he's a he's a wide receiver twenty one right now in in PPR or sorry, wide receiver nineteen in PPR, wide receiver twenty one in standard, and we're treating him like he's uh, you know some waiver wire trash. You're starting. You're starting Bobby Trees. He's a wide receiver two. He's a wide receiver two rest of season. He's a top, he's has top fifteen upside. Nobody even said you're not starting him or that he's waiver wire trash, I'm, Johnny. Nobody I mean, said, we that. said he's a solid he's a number two on the team. I mean, okay. I'm just saying when you have a conversation saying is he closer to the one or the three, uh, that's where I'm like, I would get. I mean, it's a viable question. This is a guy who started the year off disappointing people. As you is said, we're ever going to hold on you, a second. Okay. Hold on a second. Right, we started the year off drafting him as the wide receiver 15. You know, he was coming off the board as a mm-hmm. fringe wide receiver one. He then vastly disappointed through the first month of the season. Then he had one monster game after the squeaky wheel, came back down in target market share the last couple of weeks, uh, but has been solid enough to return the value. So, He's buoyed by a big game in there, and we've got to see what's more likely, the first month or the last three weeks. So that's all we're asking here, Johnny. We're not coming at Robert Woods. We're trying to figure out who we can project him to be the rest of the season. I like that you think he's going to be that wide receiver, too, firmly in there for the rest of the year. I hope that that's the case for those who have drafted him and held him. I have some concerns because of how much of the dominant market share that Cup has over the first seven weeks, how much, how sustainable he'll be, but we will see. I definitely it's, think that's a question worth asking, though. That's This that's is one of thing. the top passing offenses, or uh, you know, as far as passing yard offenses in the league. You want a Absolutely. piece. So Absolutely. you're, you're having the same, the same questions we have. Um, it, it's kind of a Tampa Bay light, you know, as far as a passing attack. And the same questions we have in that offense is, is there a revolving door a bit about the outside weapons? Yes, there is. But in this case, the target tree is very narrow in Los Angeles where it goes to Cooper Cup at the top. And then we have to figure out if we can really project Woods to continue to get the market share that you want him to see uh, as a look. As is yes. To, Okay, I mean, and and that's but we're going to keep asking the question as he continues to buoy from the one week. But I think the bigger question for the past over nine fantasy points in four out of six weeks. That's not that's not booing by one game where he didn't even score a touchdown that game. That's all I'm saying. We get it. You like we you love Robert Woods. We get that. And you have. No, I'm just saying that we keep portraying. I'm just Tyler, saying we keep portraying him as a terrible wide receiver. Nobody's no, saying don't. he's terrible, no, Johnny. Is he going to return no, wide receiver 15 value? That's the question. I love that we argue about Robert Woods every show, but you top really need 20. to realize he will be what, a top 20 wide receiver rest of hey, season. That, my question here's my question. Yes, we draft him as point, a wide receiver 14, dude. Let's say in half point PPR, finish the season, Johnny. Placement wise, will Robert Woods finish closer to Van Jefferson or finish closer to Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup. Because right now he's right now he's closer to Cooper Van Jefferson. Cup. Cooper Cup. Okay. That's where you that's where you predict yes. to see him go rest of the season. Yes. 
I think Cooper Cup has been on uh, an astronomical pace. I do think it's going to regress just a little bit. And Robert Woods is going to step up a little bit. And then and Van Jefferson will be good. He's a good wide receiver, but he's not going to be consistent enough to be where he's going right now. He's, he's being held up by talk about buoyed by games. Van Jefferson's scoring output right now is buoyed by two monster games with touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know. Monster might be an exaggeration, but I get your point. Yeah, I will. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how this plays out because it's not just Van Jefferson. Deshaun Jackson had a week. Also, Tyler Higby is somebody that comes in and takes some target market share. So, mm-hmm. Johnny, as we talk about Tyler Higby, because we were really high on him in the offseason, he hasn't quite hit there uh, as the top eight, top ten option we wanted. He's more of that yeah. fringe guy, but we can't really bench him right now for other streaming options because he continues to face a good matchup like he does here this week. Yeah, you're going to continue to lie. Houston giving up the third most fantasy points to tight ends of the season. Higby seeing five or more targets in five out of seven games. Again, uh, Stafford looks for him in the red area. And so, yeah, you're going to continue to roll him out there because you probably don't have another option. And he's been solid. He's just not giving you that that really mega balls uh, tight end day. But it could come this weekend against Houston and should. Uh, there's no real mega boss over on the Houston side, of it, except for the fact that we like uh, you know, Brent Cooks and the volume that he tends to get. He seems to be the main vein of the offense. We're close to getting Terod Taylor back. I don't think it'll be this week, but Austin, that's got to be good news for our guy Cooks, who we're continuing to roster and, and kind yeah, of yeah. pick our spots. It is it is good news because it's just a small sample size that Brandon Cooks has had with Terod Taylor, but it was a good sample size there. Week one, the only time they actually had a full game together, Taylor and Cooks connected for 132 yards on five targets. So Cooks gets an uptick. Uh, Cooks is fine, but the Texans are bad. Um, if they can step it up just a little bit, you're going to see some more nice days ahead for Brandon Cooks. All right, moving on, because there's literally nothing else I want to talk about on the Houston side of the football, and you shouldn't either. We're going to go to the Cleveland Browns hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a 42.5 point over under Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, Cleveland favored by 3.5 at home. Austin, I gotta, you got to give me some hope here for my bromance, tr- uh, Claypool. Are we trusting in him outside of Deontay Johnson's locked-in status as the, the alpha in that offense? How do we feel about Claypool here? I am horny for Claypool coming off of the bye and another week through his <laughs> Me recovery too, time. Bro, and I know I know that is a salacious word to use, but it it gets me in the nervous system when I think about starting Chase Claypool this week. I mean him and Deontay Johnson are now locked in there. And I look at them as like a new Keenan Allen, Mike Williams right now, where we've got Keenan Allen, the Deontay Johnson role and Chase Claypool there as the big Mike Williams. Uh, Claypool had a poor week uh, two Sundays ago with just two catches for 17 yards. But I did like the seven targets that went his way. We know what he can do with those targets should he connect. And I loved his fatty production uh, the week prior there with 130 yards and a touchdown on just five receptions despite only 55% snap share there due to the hamstring recovery. He saw over 80% snap share though last week or two weeks ago prior to the bye, um, meaning he's healing up. And now that he's had the bye, Juju is still gone. I love what Claypool should do rest of the season. And the Browns here this week haven't been a problem for fantasy wide receivers. They let up the eighth most points uh, to wide receivers. So Claypool should have all the variables that he needs to have a really nice output here on Sunday. I want to talk a little bit about a, a kind of a quiet weapon that's emerging here for the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth. Now, look, 
It's only one game, but in his first game without Juju, he saw 60% of the snap share, seven targets, seven catches, 58 yards, all of which were season highs. If he's going to soak up the underneath work that Juju saw, he will have some real nice PPR value. However, it's hard for me to trust Pat this week. He goes against the Browns. They've allowed the third fewest receptions to the position this season, and we've been down this road before with rookie tight ends and their spotty production. So I don't think this is a good spot, but keep him on that streamer radar. You know, as you get into bye weeks and you're looking for a spot, look at uh, good matchups for Firemouth because he could be a guy that soaks up a lot of that juju work there. Johnny, when we talk about Najee Harris, obviously we, we've got him locked in, especially in PPR here. But how are we looking rest of season? Somebody we look at as a top five option? Yeah, that's what I wanted to pitch back, guys, because Najee Harris right now is currently the RB5, and he's already had a bye week, and that's where he comes in. Uh, this next week, not ideal, but again, like Travis said, he's getting the mega workload that you want uh, and or that you want to see. Cleveland, though, just two rushing touchdowns, but they have given up four receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. So I, I expect him to get a receiving touchdown this game. But rest of season, do you guys think he finishes top five at the position? Yeah, I think it could easily happen. What we've seen right now is injuries to our top dogs, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, CMC. So we could see something like that happen. Nick, Nick Chubb even got banged up here. So I think it could definitely happen, especially in PPR where he's getting monster target share. Um, I hesitate to wonder if he stays healthy the whole year, the way they're using him. Uh, if this offense stays productive enough to get him, you know, uh, through these tough matchups, you know, uh, that would be an interesting outlook for me. Yeah, I'm not surprised if he keeps this going all season long because the learning curve in anything is real. The NFL is no exception. Johnny, we talk a lot about David Johnson the year he popped off with Bruce Arians as the head coach over there in Arizona. And Arians didn't really like to give the rock to rookies all that often, understandably so. But then as his comfortability in the system and the overall league improved, you know, we trust him to hand it over. Whether or not you get the work early on, you're still going to develop more familiarity, more comfort. The game's going to go slower for you. Mm -hmm. Najee Harris is kicking ass, but the game is still going to slow down for him. It just has to based on like how human beings develop and learn. So yeah. I expect to see even better outputs or to see this continue to go because I don't know why the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to switch up the formula they have right now. And I think he's Yes, if he gets hurt, that could change, but they drafted him to be this role. They put him in this Absolutely. role. He looks really, really yep. good in this role. He's overcoming a, a very terrible line in yeah. this role. Like, there's just so much at play here. And the point, I, I just, I'll jump off this point here, but I, I do want to round it out with the line, guys. I, I think it was Johnny, maybe. It might have been you, Travis, too, but who brought up this really great point there preseason of last year's of the top six halfbacks. Three of them came from the top three offensive lines. Four, yeah. And the bottom three came from the bottom. Right, yeah, bottom four line. of the top so like, ten. This is an Ian Hart. It's uh, stat from PFF. Four running backs finished as a top 12 running back from bottom 10 offensive lines and four finished from top 10 offensive lines. And so that's just something to say that when the talent's there, it outweighs it all. And when the role is there, that definitely outweighs it all. Speaking of role and monster running back touches, we got to talk about Cleveland because they are one of the most run heavy teams, if not the most run heavy outside of like a Baltimore who uses their quarterback as their RB one. We got to talk about the Browns here because Chubb has now used the word hopeful for Sunday. So Ooh. it doesn't look like he's the 100% lock to play that we thought he was when we started the week. So we'll need to continue to monitor that. If he is good to go, he should see a massive workload, right? But there's these conflicting logical topics here. One, Chubb is back. Hunt is out. This team is banged up across all the offense. So the Browns should, like, always lean heavily on their run game, and Chubb should dominate RB touches. But two, 
We've got Hunt's injury, Chubb's own injury, Dearness Johnson's Thursday night performance. That could lead to a bit of pause and just hammering Chubb all game long, right? If Chubb plays, you're playing him, no doubt. That's not the question here. The question comes in with DJ, Dearness Johnson. He will either be relegated to pure contingency plan or look to absorb most of the Kareem Hunt role, which has been said to be a pass-catching one, but Kareem Hunt has been averaging 11 and a half rushing attempts per game, and he only saw less than 10 in week one. We can't always assume rational coaching. We know that, but it would make sense, the most sense, to have Hunt to have a Hunt like split with Chubb and Dearness to keep Chubb fresh and help evenly distribute the load of this team that will rely more than ever on its run game this week. And then this week is just the test of strengths right now. Cleveland formidable running game will face a rested Steelers D that allows the seventh fewest points per game to running backs and has allowed only a single rushing score to running backs this year. So I'm really excited for this matchup. Obviously, we're starting Chubb. I think Dearness could get like a what the heck flex play for you if you're an RB needed team and you need it based on buys. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see if they use Dearness Johnson in that Kareem Hunt role. Uh, moving forward while Kareem Hunt is out. I want to see if there's any kind of pulse, finger on the pulse here, uh, Austin, for, you know, if we can get that meter that checks the, you know, the heart rate for these pass catchers in the Cleveland offense. We talk about talk about pass catchers. I just want to throw out there a, a Demetric Felton there who has mm-hmm. been involved in on the, he's a running back, but he lines up as he's a pass catcher too. too. Yeah. Yeah. He's a yeah. Mini fantasy glitch. Yeah, a little little fantasy typo of his own over there. <laughs> I'll give you the glitch on Cordero passing. He's he's kicking ass. Um, you know, Travis, you talked to me here about the pass catchers in Cleveland. I want to go down a little stroll of memory lane just through the 2021 season here. Uh, Peoples Jones had two touchdowns in week six. Landry had 14 points last week or week. Excuse me. No, no, no. Uh, Jarvis Landry had 14 points in week one and people's Jones had two touchdowns in week six. Those are the only two times a Browns wide receiver has earned double digit fantasy points this season. Landry is banged up. Odell Beckham is banged up. People's Jones is banged up. Nobody is practicing and nobody here should be starting for your fantasy team. They wouldn't be starting for mine. If I had any of these guys rostered right now, Johnny's Odell Beckham jr. Droppable. I wouldn't drop him uh, yet. I mean, if you have to, then sure. Uh, If you need a a player to play, then I get it, but I wouldn't quite drop him yet. All right. From the dog pound in Cleveland to underdog fantasy. I want to tell Whisper Nation about underdog fantasy because it's the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like over and under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and more. And we're going to be helping you each and every week with all this information we give you to build the best slips. And not just that. But when you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, now you'll get 100% deposit matchup up to $100 when you use the promo code TFW. That is underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for up to $100 in matched money for your first deposit. That's TFW for $100. Daraz. All right, we're going to move on to the Detroit Lions hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. I know Johnny's called Detroit as an almost upset like a couple times this year. I actually want to put money on Detroit to beat Philly in this game. They've been so close with all these other teams. I think this is a spot against Philly, who's kind of been a little bit of dog doo-doo this year. (laughs) I think this is a good spot for Detroit. But it's a 48-point over-under, and Philly is favored by 3.5 on the road. 
And I really want to talk about the biggest story out of Philly this week. Well, maybe the second biggest story for, but for fantasy football purposes, it is the biggest story, right? We have Miles Sanders hurt. And so Kenneth Gainwell was the hottest waiver wire ad. I want to see if we can project the split between Boston Scott and Gainwell Austin with Sanders out here. You know, it's a t- it, so so just bears saying that Miles Sanders dealing with a low ankle was not practicing on Wednesday. It, it, he might be coming back sooner than folks expected him to, but it's still been a little bit hazy over there in Philadelphia and what they're reporting. So continue to stay tuned. Catch the Sunday lineup show hour and a half before kickoff on Sundays to check in because this is going to be a situation worth monitoring. But now we can so let's monitor it right now with what we know, Travis. We have Kenneth Gainwell. We have Boston Scott. These are the two running backs that you are going to be considering for your fantasy lineup and the two running backs the Eagles are considering to hand the rock to in this matchup going up against Detroit. Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie, I expect him to be the overall touch leader. Now, touches are carries and catches combined. I expect Gainwell to be the overall touch leader, but I do expect it to be pretty close. And game flow could work in Philly's favor if Philly is able to stitch it together and keep Detroit from getting their first victory on the season. Boston Scott saw seven touches last week, seven carries last week, actually, um, eight total touches last week with Sanders out. Um, two more carries on the ground than Gainwell did. He also had three red zone carries, one of which he did score on. Those were Scott's first of the season in all regards. Um, outside of touches, he's had a couple of touches, but other than that, he hasn't had anything meaningful or anything in the red range. I don't think we see Boston Scott just replace Sanders, though, because Kenneth Gainwell, I think, is the more talented halfback, and they want to see his role expand. But I think that Kenneth, or excuse me, Boston Scott does take over for say about 50%, maybe a little bit more of Miles Sanders' load with the remainder of that production going to Gainwell on top of Gainwell's usual four to 11 touches. Um, Detroit lets up the second most points to running backs. If Philadelphia can make Detroit theirs here, both backs actually could have a decent day, but I am picking up what both of you guys are talking about here, that this is an almost upset, maybe a real upset. If it does go in Philly's favor, if they can stitch together, if Jalen Hurts can stay the starting quarterback, you know, news coming out and he can make it happen. Um, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell could actually both have really nice days. It's situating up to be that. But this also could have Gardner Minshew that comes in the game and then it could get really, really weird. And, and who knows what we're looking at in that case. Yeah, so that's the question I want to really talk about. It's not exactly a fantasy-relevant question yet, but it is something that a beat writer came out and said that Gardner Minshew could see some time because they are not happy with the way the Phillies been playing as a whole team. We know what Jalen Hurts is. He's a locked-in fantasy QB, top five, but he hasn't QB been a very two right now behind yeah, only Tom like Brady. I'll yeah, tell you so, what, I can, if if you're if they're disappointed right now and Jalen Hurts, they're going to be hella disappointed when they see Gardner Minshew and think that that's going to turn around that offense. That is not the problem. The problem is their offensive coordinator and head coach have no idea what they're doing. The problem is, is that does this franchise have more allegiance to their head coach and offensive coordinator because that's the freshest hire than they do Jalen Hurts, which we have always heard since they've drafted Jalen Hurts that it's a short lease. It reminds me of a Tua situation where they're just like kind of waiting for him to fail. And I just think it's a terrible way to look at it. I think they have a lot of PTSD from Carson Wentz and drafting him so high and him not panning out and so they're kind of but I wanted to ask this the contingency plan are we making a contingency plan on our rosters with Jalen Hurts are we looking ahead to matchups that could potentially see him benched or potentially see him be without uh, the starting gig and are we making adjustments accordingly Johnny Austin 
I think we're going to see Gardner Minshew come in if the Eagles keep losing. If you're the head coach, if you're the offensive coordinator, and you either need to like take a look at your philosophical approach to the game or you throw in another quarterback, you're probably going to do the latter first just because it's an easier, hey, Gardner, go give it a shot. You know what I mean? And put him in for 10 plays. If he throws two picks, you're not, you're going to go back to Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? But you're going to try something new. They're not playing well. I agree with Johnny. Gardner Minshew is not the solution. And Jalen Hurts is not the problem, but you're going to be searching for solutions and it's an easy one to just try on for size. Like it's not, it's not a coincidence that you constantly every week see Jalen Hurts do nothing for, for the first three weeks. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, when they have to, there's no other, there's no other option, but Hurts take over and do his thing. And all of a sudden they're in these games. No. Wait, why? How does that not scream? That oh maybe it's our offensive coordinator or head coach that has put no the pedal to the metal doing. from snap. Or maybe this team isn't that far throw. off. Yeah, or maybe this team isn't that far off from the not very talented team that saw Wentz fail last year as well. You know, and yeah. so like maybe we're just like it's not just the head coach and offensive coordinator, but it's surrounding talent that's happening there. Now we do like some of the talent though, Johnny, that Hurts gets to throw to, including Devonta Smith, and but we've seen kind of a takeover from Quez Watkins over Jalen Rager over the last couple of weeks. How do we feel about? these wide receivers in this matchup i would start devonta smith uh he is getting a great matchup this week against detroit who's giving up the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers he has seen nine or more targets in three out of four games or last four games averaging 90 percent snap share that is fantastic only has one touchdown though boys on 406 receiving yards that is really low as we've said mentioned and mentioned on on the show many a times the nfl average for touchdowns per receiving yards is about 150 you score one touchdown per 150 yards on average and yet he only has one with 406 so that tells me that the indication is that he is in store for positive regression from the touchdown perspective which i do think is uh in the realm of possibilities especially this week with detroit I would start him. I like what I'm seeing from him. As far as uh, Quez Watkins, yeah, like Big Travis said, if it sounds wild, but there are a lot worse options on your waiver wire, I'm sure, than Quez Watkins. It's not a big, heavy, like, bye week, so I can understand that you, you will probably have a better option, but if you just need a what-the-heck flex, Quez Watkins seems to be that kind of uh, – have that connection with Hurts, seeing 70% snap share in four out of five games. He has ran 27 or more routes in four out of five games, and he's had at least one red area uh, – one red area target in each of the last three games. So Hertz is looking for him when he gets down in that area. Uh, I do think you could do a lot worse than Quez Watkins. Uh, if you need a, what the heck flex. I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about Dallas Goddard. Obviously, we're excited when Zach Ertz got traded to Arizona because Goddard's usage would go up. The tight end 14 in points per game saw his season high in snap percentage targets and yardage last week. 93% of the t- snaps is an elite level of snaps, especially for tight ends. So look for him to keep up this usage and for that to translate to nice upside. 
but I don't want you to panic because you can't, you obviously can't bench Goddard that usage we talked about, but this is a temper expectation spot here. The Lions have been relatively stout against tight ends, only giving up six points per game to the position. But again, don't panic and keep on to Goddard through, even if he doesn't perform well in this matchup, because that usage again is going to be really good. Speaking of usage, Detroit <clears throat> on that side of the ball likes to use their running backs as a main focal point of how they move the ball down the field. And we are excited in a decent matchup here, given game script, this game should be close and, and Detroit been able to keep both backs involved here, Johnny. Oh, boy, has Detroit loved to run the ball and use their running backs. That's an understatement, boys. Our boy, don't look now. Don't look. Don't peep. Because I'm going to tell you about it. Our boy right now, DeAndre Swift, the boy on the wall, the jersey on the wall, you know we've been rocking it. He's RB6 right now in standard. RB2, baby, in PPR. RB2. It's better than what we could even imagine. We hit we hit Bitcoin. It's like getting Bitcoin at, at, five, at $10. That's what DeAndre Swift feels like right now. 70% market share right now, or snap share right now for Detroit Lions. 59% of the opportunity share. That's all we heard all summer long. But, Johnny, they got Jamal, Jamal Williams. They signed him. It means a lot, doesn't it? We should fade Smith. Oh, uh, we should fade Swift. Well, good. What happened when you fade Swift? Well, he just ended up happening right now through eight weeks. First in receiving yards for all running backs with 391. First in receptions with 42. Eighth in, oh, that was the other thing. Oh, but the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Kitties, they don't ever get in the red area. They're never going to be in scoring position. I know I heard that one too. Eighth in red area touches for DeAndre Swift with 22 on the season and eighth in touchdowns on the season with five. DeAndre Swift cannot be stopped. He is a man among boys. And welcome in to the DeAndre Swift show. It is taken over. I, I would say time. that if Austin could say that he's horny about Chase Claypool, Ooh. I'd love to hear what Johnny would say oh, that he they, is when he it, talks about we, DeAndre we couldn't Swift. air it. It would have to yeah, be on, aired on, like on this would turn from Nation a, after dark. Yeah, it sounds like it would turn from a family show really quick. I do want to note about Jamal Williams, Johnny. Are we able yes. to fire him up? Because he has kind of seen a little bit of a downturn. He, he seems to be more touchdown dependent, obviously. We knew that. But are we liking this game script? Can we put him back in our lineups as that fringe RB3 flex play? We certainly can this week. Philadelphia giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Game script, like you said, they should uh, be in a position where they will uh, lean a little bit on Jamal. And so I do think, you know, with 12 or more touches in four out of five games, has 50 or more rushing yards in those in three out of five games. He has a you know somewhat safe floor for a secondary running back. But like you said, in a positive game script for Detroit, what could be, uh, you could definitely see Jamal get in the, in the end zone. And if he does that, then he could have an RB2 day for you. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about from the running backs who seem to be a focal point for this offense to TJ Hawkinson, who is now picked up the last couple of weeks. Austin, we've seen him get a little bit healthier, had a little bit more of the target market share and usage. We kind of like the way he's trending at this point, right? Yeah, it's a tough story to talk about Hawkinson, right? Because none of the variables that made him a top five predicted tight end have changed. Like he's still very, very talented. He's still a very athletic, skilled, developed tight end. Um, he's got a great role on the team. Yeah, we've got uh, some other up-and-coming pass-catching options, but outside of DeAndre Swift, there's nobody who is 
comfortable and skilled like the way that Hawkinson is, but Hawkinson is, is slipping. You know, he's had a good couple of last weeks for sure. Bounce back a little bit, but he's still not in that range of where we wanted. And I think it can be summed up right here. TJ Hawkinson is the number nine overall tight end in standard, but he's the number four tight end in PPR. Like that to me is right there. He's a top five tight end in PPR. He's like a back end tight end one in standard right now um, 20 targets the last two weeks love that but he's un- averaging under 10 yards per catch love Hawkinson's everything but the Lions still haven't won a game there aren't a lot of tight ends that check all the boxes that he does which honestly for me I think he's a solid buy low candidate Absolutely. right now right. just don't don't pay a premium for it make sure you're actually getting a value get that like you know that that mid-range tight end back end tight end one price like try to pay for that and then cross your fingers and hope he does get back into that elite tight end category top three yeah i think a lot of better days are ahead as he's kind of gets hopefully gets healthier with the shoulder injury and then continues to kind of beat the the defenders a little bit at a, at a higher clip here all right we're moving on to the next game oh actually no i did just want to touch on the wide receivers really quick because i know that khalif raymond has been a waiver wire ad this week and then amon ross st brown has been a uh, an ad previously i just want to continue to pound the drum here that this wide receiver room is something we really aren't able to project with confidence. Raymond was a deeper waiver ad this week due to the fact that he accrued at least six targets in four of his last five games in place of Tyrell Williams. He leads Detroit's wide receivers in targets 15 over those two games when Quintez Cephas has been out with the shoulder injury on the IR. And then we look at Amon Ross St. Brown just hasn't been startable even in PPR formats. No game over seven PPR formats. Philly has been the fifth Toughest matchup. Uh and what? Are you... Oh, he's got he's got two games of 13 points uh, in PPR formats. But oh, maybe I not but, but zero, nothing. No, no catches last week. Yeah. Philly has been the fifth toughest toughest matchups for enemy wide receivers. This feels like Hawk and Swift uh game for sure. Uh in the receiving world and the Lions, you know, what else is new for that though? So <laughs> we're gonna move on to the next game. Here we have the San Francisco 49ers and the Chicago Bears in a 39 and a half point over under. San Francisco favored by three and a half on the road here. I want to take a look at um, you know, Ayuk's 2021 promise and it looks like it's dead uh in this in this year uh but Debo Samuel his consistency stayed there and I think that's probably par for the course do we like him in this matchup uh Austin yeah I do I do you know I like Debo I like Debo Samuel really in any matchup I think he's matchup proof right now because of the role he has on this offense um Debo is not a top five wide receiver as we were talking about him just a couple of weeks ago but just barely and I don't really see him slipping much further outside of this like kind of back end wide receiver one but I do think we're going to see a little bit of a shift because Kittle is going to be coming back and I think Ayuk is going to get some more distribution rest of season I mean it's like it's hard for him not it's hard for him to get any less and I just see him being more in involved um I, I it would it would be really hard for Ayuk, who is as talented as he is to not develop um some more involvement I don't even need him to have consistency I just need to have a little bit more involvement and if that goes up though it's going to have a little bit of a hamper on Debo but Debo is doing all that he needs for you as well as for the 49ers over 10 targets per game with 11 last week averaging over 100 yards per game with 100 last week four touchdowns through four games for Debo Samuel with one touchdown last week and I like Debo um I just think he's kind of moved from that elite spot to a wide receiver one I think he sticks there pretty much most of the season if you can if you can sell him high at that elite 
value do it. But otherwise, just sit on him and enjoy the production rest of season. And if he becomes a high-end wide receiver too, there are much worse things in the world given where you picked him up at. Johnny, are you we we've gotten news today that Kittle's probably going to be back next week. Is this a good time to go scoop him up? And if he's been dropped and then obviously maybe make a trade for him. Yeah. If he's been dropped, certainly go out and try to get him. I actually don't mind trying to go and acquire him now. I wouldn't wait until next week when it becomes, you know, more official or more probable because then, you know, someone's less likely to trade them at that point. I would go, now because possibly they didn't see that news and they don't know that he is potentially able to return next week. They do have some favorable matchups for the tight end position down the stretch. Plus this is nice Houston in week 17, which is a super, super juicy matchup in the championship round. So it could be a good option to go out and try to get Kittle right now on the cheap. Elijah Mitchell, uh, now healthy through the bye, uh, saw another game with over 18 touches. That's now 18 or more touches in all three games that he's played with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the RB24 in points per game. I know he's missed some time, so he looks a little bit lower than that, but he's averaging just under 12 points per game in the games he plays. It's worth noting that his teammate, Jamichael Hasty did see 100% of the RB targets last week after coming back from IR. He has vastly, he was vastly ineffective, though. He only gained 15 yards on three catches from six targets. Again, that was in a torrential downpour, so we can't hold it all against Hasty there. It is encouraging that he's worth a deep league stash, but he can't really be trusted until we see more. But we know that multiple, <clears throat> excuse me, multiple running backs can be valuable in this Shanahan system. So Hasty is still worth a stash here. I would wonder if after an ineffective game and how good Mitchell looked, like Mitchell looked like, other than Debo, maybe the best player for the Niners last week. I wonder if rational coaching will come in and they'll start to feature it Mitchell more because it seems like they went away from him in the second half last game when he was clearly one of the most explosive players. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But Chicago been middle of the road against running backs in points per game their propensity to play in these negative game scripts means that they've given up the six most rushing yards per contest. So we actually do like the rushing attack for the Niners here. Uh, positive game script. We do not like much on the Chicago side of the ball, but we do feel wheels up maybe for Khalil Herbert with Montgomery out here, Austin. We kind of like what yeah. we're seeing from the, from the athlete here. Yeah. And first off, just a shout out to you on Elijah Mitchell, because we had some questions from Whisper Nation coming of a who would you start here, Elijah Mitchell or Khalil Herbert? You were strongly in the Elijah Mitchell camp. I was a little bit more in the Khalil Herbert. Glad he did well, but he didn't do what Elijah Mitchell did. And Elijah Mitchell just looks to have a established role in this current Kyle Shanahan and uh, 49ers off. But that's what we're talking dude, about. We're talking. I appreciate that. But shout out to the Whisper Nation listener who has both those guys because you're sitting pretty now because yeah. Herbert did well too. And yeah. so, right. like, now that's what we get to talk about now, Austin, is Herbert's ability to kind of rise above matchup at this point because of how much they want to run here in Chicago. Well, if we learned anything and take anything from what we learned last week and apply it as truth, it would be exactly there. As you mentioned that Khalil Herbert is someone you need to have in your lineup, regardless of matchup, because last week's Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive showdown was arguably one of the toughest in the NFL. You could be going up against their past defense in Tampa Bay doesn't look good, but their rush defense still looks stout here. And in a game with 317 total yards for the bears offense, Khalil Herbert had 133 of them. That's over 40% when they know this is where the offense is going to be trying to driven through, um, which is great. Uh, also considering fields had was read like a book and, and Herbert still did his thing facing that Tampa Bay rush defense back-to-back -back games now for Khalil Herbert with over five yards per carry too. So it wasn't just on volume alone, like we saw from Antonio Gibson. Yeah. With two touchdowns, but 20 carries 
or with um, Williams there in Kansas City, you know, where he had his 20 carries too. No, five yards per carry here for Khalil Herbert. And the defense knows that they're going to be trying to feed him the rock. Um, close to 20 carries in both of those games. Herbert looks hungry and Williams has been a non-factor. I'm smashing Herbert until Monty comes back. I uh, need to take a moment to apologize to Whisper Nation, okay? And so, you know, naturally when we have a podcast, you're going to not listen to everything I say because there's a lot of stuff that we're going to say on here, right? Well, hopefully you didn't listen when I was talking about Justin Fields in the offseason as some league winner or some guy you should stash and put on your rosters because if you were like me and you stashed him in four of, you know, eight leagues here, you looked really bad doing it. He's seen 10 or fewer points in five of six games this year. His head coach and offensive coordinator have no desire to design runs which could float his floor so he doesn't have a floor last week he either scored you zero or negative points one or negative points in that matchup against Tampa Bay he is the owner of PFF's 34th ranked QB grade spoiler alert 32 QBs start any given Sunday so that's not a good metric to have and he's thrown two touchdowns and six interceptions on the year it's a nope.com for Justin Fields and pretty much all of the passing offense and we're going to get into that here because Allen Robinson has had no game over seven fantasy points in PPR scoring no game over seven targets since Fields has taken over and has yet to eclipse 65 yards in any game this year Austin, did you have a you wanted to I just jump? wanted to say sorry too. I recommended starting fields. I started him and yeah, I got I was, like two and a half points. Yeah. And I'm not gonna do it again. Bad. It was bad. Yeah. So and the reason is he's just like they're not designing enough for him. They're not getting him going, and that's not creating big plays. And like I said, Allen Robinson yet to eclipse 65 yards in any game this year. We look at Darnay Mooney. Mooney, he's been more trustworthy than a- Allen Robinson, but that's not saying much. Over the last month, he's had two weeks over 10 PPR points and two games under four PPR points. Last week should have been a pristine matchup against the banged-up Tampa Bay secondary, but his QB is so god-awful, as we mentioned, you can't trust anyone here. You can drop Allen Robinson and stop the pain if you need to. I understand that. And stay away from Darnell Mooney. I don't really have much else to say on the offense. I don't know, Johnny, if you want to jump in at all. Cole Komet had a decent week in usage, but there's not anything I can trust here. Nah. All right. We're going to move on to the Atlanta Falcons, who are hosting the Carolina Panthers. This is a 46-point over-under, with Carolina favored by three. I'm sorry, Atlanta flavored by three at the home, uh, at home, at their home. The Atlanta Falcons uh, mm-hmm. Mercedes Benz Dome, which actually has a Chick Fil A in it. Interesting. Hey, that's a good flavor. Um, Want to talk I a little bit about at home too for Chick Fil A? Sam Darnold. Shout out to the fantasy footballers. Uh, they called him Sam Darnold on oh on Monday. So funny. Sam Darnold is right. And so when we what we've seen now oh. in the last few weeks is the struggles that have come out and the ripple effect that it has caused. Austin, can you speak a little bit on Darnold and where we're at as a streamer? I know we wanted to hold out hope last week, but he burned us kind of like Fields did as well. Sure. So weeks one through four, Sam Darnold was a top five quarterback. Weeks five through seven, he's the quarterback 28. Currently 15 overall on the year. Woof. Seven interceptions last four weeks, and he got benched for Philip Walker last week. Darnold gets the start coming up, but he is not being relied upon by his own team, and God help you if he is being relied upon by yours. This is not a good matchup against Atlanta's bottom eight points allowed quarterback defense, or this is a good matchup, excuse me, on paper, but outside of two quarterback leagues, I'm looking elsewhere for a quarterback. 
yeah, it's just not looking good for Sam Darnold. And, and some of this can be attributed to, you know, maybe CMC being out. So we'll see what happens there. They've pulled themselves from the Deshaun Watson conversation. We thought they'd be in it after Darnold struggles. Um, but yeah, maybe CMC's exit is, is part of the reason here. I just got to say too, with it though, you know, weeks one through four, they did happen. They were real and he was a top five quarterback. And if he does this again, you can't be surprised. And if you are, shame on you because he just did it for like a month straight. Like right. it's turning around. It shows us he's not consistent. He's not someone you can rely on. He is, he has shown us that is somebody who can pop and grab you 30 fantasy points in a given week. It is possible. It's just really difficult to rely or predict. Right. And then, you know, some of that was buoyed by CMC, as I mentioned, but also rushing touchdowns that are a little bit fluky. Like, can we mm-hmm. rely on those to be the situation? We're not Kyler Murray here. We're Sam F and Darnold, you know, like that's what we have to look at. But continuing on Austin's point on Darnold and his struggles, it's trickled down to DJ Moore. And that's a shame here because in, in weeks one through four, DJ Moore was the wide receiver four in PPR, scoring nearly 26 points per game since then, boys. Wide receiver 23 at 11.6 points per game. So a big dip. But most of the reason why he's even as high as wide receiver 23 in that span is because of bye weeks. He's played three games during that span. A lot of wide receivers have only played two. Point being, if Darnold is going to continue to struggle, Moore is likely going to be closer to a wide receiver two or worse the rest of the season, most likely. But there's hope for this week. This is a get-right spot on paper for more, as Austin pointed out. Only six teams give up more points per game than the Falcons to fantasy football wide receivers this year. I would be looking for a more bounce back and then look to sell him after this week personally. That would be my idea to do here because I think you're going to get dips in value from week to week when Sam Darnold doesn't show up for this team. Um, And so I think that could be very detrimental to Moore's season-long value. Look for uh, Sam Darnold might not even start this game. PJ Walker uh, might actually wa- uh, end up starting for quarterback for Carolina this weekend. Is that so, is that being reported right now, huh, Johnny? Yeah. So the, there's there's yeah there's been some uh, because he came in at the end of last game uh, because Sam Darnold wasn't right. getting it done. So there are some uh, thoughts and and whispers. Well, I did that- I did see that at in the in the post game presser though Matt Rule basically said it was on him. He needs to coach Sam Darnold better, and I think that's yeah. a nice way of saying like you know he's taking the blame for his quarterback but i think that's something to really i I want to ask though johnny because hubbard is a guy that we wanted to trust it was a decent matchup last week we got him in there and he woofed like the rest of this offense that trickle down effect is happening are we trusting hubbard again in this one I would simply based on the matchup, the ma- I, and I know we said that last week, again, this happens from time to time, but more oftentimes than not, you go with the factors that you know that are going to give you the best opportunity to score fantasy points. And the truth is, is there are very few running backs right now, boys, that are, are getting more touches than Chuba. I mean, you see him mega volume, 15 or more touches in five straight games. He's only had one touchdown over that span. Sam Darnold, we talked about it, taking a bunch of the goal line work there. Uh, Atlanta is giving up the 11th most fantasy points to opposing running backs this season. So I do feel confident in throwing him in your lineup. Again, this week as a low end RB2, but he does have that upside. If he can get in the end zone, then you're you have an RB1 there. So I do think just based on the volume that it's OK to get him in your lineup. But he does have this downside that he's not actually that good of a or that great of a running back, uh, which could also be why they were also trying to rush back CMC. Austin, I feel like we're going to be like if you're watching on the video on Patreon, I'm going to be like the Jonah Hill gift like. 
I'm excited. It's happening. Kyle Pitts, he's breaking out. Like we're seeing it. I want to talk a little bit about that. Austin, we talked a little bit at the top of the show, but also the outlook for Calvin Ridley in this offense going forward. Yeah. Starting there with the first name you mentioned, Kyle Pitts, the phenom rookie tight end nine plus targets last three weeks, back-to-back games over a hundred yards and with room to spare 282 yards the last two weeks on 16 catches. That is phenomenal in all fashions. Number two targeted option in the red range there. As far as tight ends go, he looks to be checking all of the boxes. He's about in the elite box now. He's like, he's right there. He might just not yet be the true favorite target of his quarterback, but he's certainly right there in the one, two, three conversation. Um, He's an elite talent, got the role on the field, got the trust of his quarterback. He's got all those boxes. Um, He's, he's, he's right there. He's checking all the boxes to be considered an elite tight end. We'll just watch and enjoy what he does for the rest of the season there. But I said, he's the number two option on the team. And that, that is true. Even though he's scoring more points than Calvin Ridley, Um, Calvin Ridley, I, I I've been talking a lot of smack on Calvin Ridley compared to where he was drafted. I wasn't a fan of, you know, his like top six selection at the, before the season started, but I think now he's a bit more of a buy low candidate. Um, He's not going to be elite this season. I don't, I don't foresee that, but I think he's going to produce more than he has through the first seven weeks, double digit targets in all but one game this season. And that was week one. He leads the entire team in red zone targets and he caught one last week. Um, Ridley has been pretty darn bad this year at the price that you pay barely in the top 50 for wide receivers, but all the metrics do indicate a pop is on the horizon. Similar metrics that Johnny was referencing about a month ago related to pits saying he hadn't done it yet, but a lot of the metrics were working in his favor that suggest it might be coming up here on the horizon. I think that Calvin Ridley does have some chances of popping throughout the rest of the season. Good chances. And I like them against a middle of the road Panther secondary going this week as well. Travis. Yeah, I want to take a time to talk about that secondary and how it pertains to Matt Ryan. I mean, first, when we look at Matt Ryan as a streamer, we picked him up through the last couple of weeks to stream after his buy 20 or more fantasy points in four of his last five games. <clears throat> he's thrown one pick in his last four contests, has multiple touchdowns in all but one game this year, and he's averaging 42 pass attempts over his last three. The offense has seemed to turn a corner. Remember, like week three, I was asking you guys, can Atlanta turn this around? Like it looked really bad. And both of you, like a testament to Austin and Johnny, both of you said, yeah, I think so. It's a new coach like this could happen uh, well it has it's turned about uh, uh turned around a little bit and it could potentially have room to even grow past that as austin said ridley back into the lineup gauge firmly back into the lineup after being hurt a little bit and out of it as we mentioned with darnold it's having effects on the rest of the team for carolina and after starting the year as a top-ranked pasty the panthers have been bleeding points and yardage lately allowing nearly 20 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks on the season and really even more 24 points per game over their last three so we actually see the ripple effect of darnold giving the ball back to these defenses so much or these offenses so much, and then that the defense being on the field so much. I think this is a good spot for Matt Ryan. You could do a lot worse. If you were streaming maybe Tua last week, who faces a tough Buffalo defense we'll talk about next, I think you could pick up Matt Ryan instead and kind of rock with that if he's available there for you. Johnny, your boy. I got to give it to you again here. Hopefully you don't go crazy like you did with Swift, but uh, Cordell Patterson, the fantasy glitch has officially taken over the backfield here. It looks like, or, or can we, this was post by, so we know what that's like when they come out of the buy and they, and they start using the guy. He seemed to take over here. Yeah. He's playing his best DJ Khaled version over there in Atlanta. 
where he said, welcome to Atlanta, where we feed Cordero Patterson, because that's what they're doing. It has the time has come. It has changed. They are officially turning it over to the fantasy glitch uh, in the last four, three weeks, excuse me, in attempt percentages. Here's how it breaks down. 22% in week four for Cordero. Then it jumped up to 48% in week five. Then it peaked. Did it peak? I don't know. We'll see this weekend, but I think this is where we're going. I think it's where it's going to stay. 67% in week seven. That's what we like to see. Hasn't seen fewer than 11% of the targets also. That's why he's that dual flexibility glitch because he's also getting a bunch of receiving work. So again, Carolina, not the greatest matchup uh, for running backs, but you're getting the fantasy glitch in your lineup. Mike Davis over that same time, guys, not so pretty, okay? Last three weeks, 48% in week four. That was pretty nice. 45 in week five, okay, you'll, you'll take it. And then drops all the way down to 19 in week seven. I do expect this to be very close and similar to what goes forward. Uh, and, you know, with Mike Davis not seeing any receiving five, nine, and 0% of the market share over the last three weeks, boys, I think I think it's okay if you need to drop Mike Davis, Oh, maybe you can try to trade him right now uh, and get some pennies for him if you have them. Uh, but it does seem to be the Cordero show moving forward. Moving forward in this show, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins in our final matchup of this part one of the matchup breakdowns here. 49 and a half point over under Miami massive road dogs. I mean, Buffalo is favored by 13 and a half in this game um, at home. Um, and so when we look at the Miami side of the ball, I just want to speak quickly on Tua because we did stream him uh, last week. We suggested streaming him last week. He was the QB one on the week. He posted nearly 300 yards on 40 pass attempts and notched four passing touchdowns in many formats. Like I said, the QB one. And, and after we suggested, even in the face of swirling trade rumors, Tua is still doing his best to remain a pro and do his job here. Unfortunately for him in fantasy football GMs, he will face the Bills this week. They hold the number one ranked pass defense for pro football focus. They injured Tua the last time they played him in week two, and they have 11 points. Uh, they've given up 11 points on average to enemy signal callers. This is the fewest by any team and nearly two points per game, fewer than the second toughest defense QBs face. It looks like some added pressure to trade for Watson will be coming and fantasy football GM should stay away from Tua this week and really he's kind of a hot item to really be keeping on your roster with all these trade rumors um, but I, I understand if you kind of roster him through this by and wait oh, to see what happens on the Tuesday deadline please go to Washington oh please him and him and McLaurin oh my god could uh, you you know what nobody's talking about in that Washington deal if he goes to Washington he'll play with Ryan Fitzpatrick again as oh yeah that QB. was pretty, yeah it's like I mentioned Ryan, that in our ultimate uh, thread oh did like, you yeah. yeah I was like I, was I like, missed that you imagine one, yeah. Fitz and, Fitz and his boy? Yeah, like, just oh go away. Tua, Leave me alone. Yeah, Tua's like, dang it, dude. I, how do I avoid the beard? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's a situation we're looking at closely with, with uh, Tua here. But if Tua's no good, then we kind of probably not really like his weapons here. Jalen Waddle, really the name of note in the pass catchers. Also, Mike Kosecki, who's been really hot, Johnny, as well. Yeah, when it comes to Waddle, I would bench him this week. Not a great matchup. Again, talk about Buffalo. We know how good their defense is. Uh, there are some nice things about Waddle. Sure, like 70 uh, or more receiving yards in both games with Tua and back-to-back -back games with eight or more targets. But again, just sit him in this one. It's too difficult a matchup. Mike Jacecki, on the other hand, tight end three right now, boys, uh, in PPR, tight end five in standard. Buffalo giving up the six fewest fantasy points, two tight ends. 
but I'm still ruling in the flames with Mike Jacecki simply because it's going to be hard for you to have a better option at tight end. Like tight end is very difficult uh, to find and, and plug and play a better option than, you know, the tight end three right now. You just stick with uh, Jacecki. Austin, the apology tour continues for me because I said Miles Gaskin could potentially be droppable last week. And I think Johnny even suffered at the hands of that suggestion because he did drop him. But you, Austin, said no. You said to keep with him here. And of course, uh, the inevitable happened. Malcolm Brown got hurt. And now we're looking at a rosier outlook for our guy Gaskin, given that Brown injury. But this is a very, very tough matchup, Austin. Where's our finger on the pulse here for Gaskin? Well, yeah, it's a tough matchup, but you like that Brown is out. And you also like to see how well Gaskin did last week with that added opportunity. Appreciate you with the shout out there, as I did recommend holding Gaskin as it was going to be a somewhat new offense with Tua coming back. Now with Brown on the IR, I am an even bigger fan of Gaskin as I haven't been a fan of Gaskin at all. This is the first time I'm a fan of Gaskin (laughs) since in 2021, 4.47 yards per carry last week on 15 carries. I like that. He caught all four of his targets as well. Ahmed hasn't done anything this year, and Miami is moving the ball the best they have all season. There is reason to think that this rising tide continues, and Gaskin is situated to benefit from said rising tide. He's not going to ball out, but he's all right. Yeah, and well, the receiving work is what could float yeah. him in this game because they continue to use him in the passing game, and I just... I thought it was spotty, which it had been. And but like now that Malcolm Brown's out, like now you're going to have touchdown upside, too, with with uh, because I don't think they're going to use Salvan Ahmed at the goal line. I think they'll use Miles Gaskin instead. And so, um, yeah, this is something that's a really a good benefit, a timely benefit for our guy. Miles Gaskin. Like Alex, I didn't answer your question. Thank you for cleaning up my mess there and saying this week Gaskin could be benefiting from that pass catching hole. It's hard for me to find a way that game flow doesn't work in Gaskin's right. favor here, both in this game and kind of moving forward, because it's like if they're getting boat raced, they're going to need to play from behind. Gaskin's going to be in there catching passes, doing that two-minute drill type of work. And if they're up, he's the goal line back too, and they're going to pound out the clock, and maybe they put in Ahmed to spare him. But I see them doing that for exactly that reason, sparing Gaskin. It's not to gain a competitive advantage. There's there's so much swirling around Miami where it's like, okay, well, what if Devontae Parker comes back? And what if Will Fuller gets healthy and comes back? And what if they trade for Deshaun Watson? Mystery and it's in, in the fantasy football, yeah, mystery man. In the fantasy football world, we got to stop saying what if and like point to what we know. We know Gaskin will be on the field. We know Gasecki will be on the field. We know Waddle will be on the field. And we know when they're on the field, Tua tends to look for these guys. And like you said, they're moving the ball the best they have all year. And I think these are players we can invest in. Obviously, based on matchup, Johnny pointed out Waddle would be a concern. But I do think Gaskin, like you said, with game script here, is, is a decent play in the flex. I want to move I, on I, to – go ahead, Johnny. No, go ahead. That's fine. Did it's you want it, It's not anything? like – it's not – well, I, I will say uh, just – for Whisper Nation to be be weary of Ahmed. Uh, they actually are using him kind of a little bit more as that primary running back. He They saw it down the stretch last year. He is a little bit bigger, uh, and he's been getting a little bit more and more of that workload from Gaskin. So, like you said, game script, though, this week for sure for Gaskin, but it is something to monitor going down the stretch that they it's again, we always say like the rational coaching. I I fully believe Gaskin is a phenomenal running back. I don't know why they're not giving him more touches or giving him the green light, but 
for some reason they aren't doing that in Miami. And so for that reason, I'm like, keep an eye for, for Ahmed because well, how could, weird is Miami, dude? The mystery they're, they're man, really, the owner that sense. has a, a first round quarterback that's doing okay, that wants to trade for one with a bunch of sexual yeah. allegations. And has had a bunch of good running backs, but just doesn't use them properly. I mean, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake. The curse of Adam Gase is like, the heaviest on, on Miami, it feels like. It's <laughs> it feels ridiculous like it's down there. What are they drinking? What are they drinking in the water? Not the Gatorade where it was founded over there in Florida. Uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills here, Austin. And we want to look at Dawson Knox, who will be out a couple weeks, and see if that's a if we can finally get that elite Stephon Diggs performance and what it could mean for maybe Emmanuel Sanders, some of these other pass catchers. Yeah, you know, you look at a Stephon Diggs, who it's 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 pretty egregious, actually, how far he's fallen right now. But you take a closer look at the metrics, and he's he's doing really well. Buffalo Bills are everybody's top five power rankings. Like they're kicking ass from metric standpoint, but looking at Stefan Diggs, I mean, he's the number 29 wide receiver in standard right now, man. Number 24 in PPR. Like he's a back end wide receiver two right now. And in standard formats, he's a wide receiver three, despite having all but one game be double digit points. Like this is a, this is like kind of, you're, you're not like disappointed with Stefan Diggs. You're just surprised to see him being a wide receiver two, three when he's had double digit fantasy points in every single game this season. But, we got to take a look now at what is to come because Dawson Knox is out and Dawson Knox had been doing some work. Um, right now, the biggest, so I got to take a second here to take a look at Diggs here because right now he's going around 6.6 catches per game um, in 2021. It was just under eight per game last season though. And his yards per catch are still slightly up. Actually, he's around 12 and a half. So if you just add in a couple more targets, every single week for him to catch like that's going to add up. He's going to be looking at around like 25 extra yards uh, per game. You stack that up over the course of the season that does add up, but those catches are also going to be coming in notable points on the field, like the red zone, which is where Dawson Knox has been eating up and doing a lot of work leads the Buffalo bills with five touchdowns on the year. Um, So those touchdowns are going to have to go somewhere. I don't think Dawson Knox his absence is going to slow down the Buffalo Bills. I think they're going to keep putting up just as many points, putting up just as many yards as they were before. That's just now going to get spread out to Diggs, to Beasley, and to Emmanuel Sanders. I expect an uptick from all of them, from yards, catches, and touchdowns, um, but it's going to be spread out over those three. So, yeah, it's going to go up, but it's not going to skyrocket. Interesting to note here that uh, I just wanted to follow up with Cole Beasley prior to the buy and against the weaker Tennessee secondary, the bills actually ran their highest rate of 11 personnel. This led to Beasley seeing over 80% of the snaps for only the second time and him scoring over 10 fantasy points of PPR for the first time this year with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard back. We saw them back against Atlanta last week, those two outside corners. I like Beasley this week, kind of a flex play in PPR formats, especially. So I think that's something to note with Dawson Knox out. I do just want to, uh, Uh, talk a little bit about these running backs. We obviously know we're firing up our Josh Allen. He is a mega stud in this matchup against Miami, but Johnny, you kind of like the backs here, even though they've been up and down. Well, I I wouldn't say plural backs, but (laughs) I would say uh, one of the running backs here, I actually do have some confidence in, and that is uh, Zach Moss. Look, Zach Moss, rest of the season, if you're asking me, he's on that RB3 RB2 borderline, but he does have, you know, higher RB2 upside the more work that he gets uh, and takes over this backfield. He's already seeing 53% of the opportunity share there. 
He's seeing, and he's getting all the red area and goal line work uh, so far over this season since he's came back from that, you know, early injury that he had uh, to start the season or the, the healthy scratch week one. Uh, Singletary, on the other hand, zero red zone touch or red area touches in the prior two games before the bye. So I, I have concerns that, you know, they're kind of slowly phasing him out. He'll get some receiving work here and there, you know, a, a decent amount of touches. But Zach Moss is the guy that I want uh, if I'm choosing between the two, just because this offense is going to be in that uh, they're going to score a lot of points. So I want the running back that's going to be that goal line that gets the bulk of the carries, and that is Zach Moss. And then you look at this matchup is prime and juicy for Zach Moss. Miami giving up the seventh most rushing yards on the season with 749, as well as allowing the second most touchdowns surrendered to the running back position this season with eight. So I'm starting Zach Moss and happy to do it. Johnny says to choose Zach Moss between the two running backs, but we won't make you choose between the two matchup shows as part one concludes here. You can get part two by subscribing anywhere you get your podcast. And if you have any further line of questions, make sure you've subscribed and tune in Sunday morning on YouTube an hour and a half before kickoff and check the fantasy for our weekly rankings for Johnny game time Hicks and Austin Sear. I'm big Travi and we're the fantasy whispers. We're out of here. Peace. Peace. Right here. Look at you go. You made it to the end of another one of our videos. Hey, if you still have some questions, I totally understand. Or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community, head on over to our Discord chat. Link is in the description below. And if you're still not sold on us, check out one of these videos. Don't you hear the whispers?